You're listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 407. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we journey into the unknown with a roundtable discussion about television witches. And as we told you guys last time, we're welcoming our good friend and colleague, Michael R. Good to have you with us. Yeah, glad to be here. It's been a while since I've been on the podcast, Mike. Uh, even the stuff that Dave and I have been doing for Den of Geek has been uh, video-related, so it doesn't feel quite the same, so I'm glad to be with you guys. And of course, Wayne, I haven't been on a podcast with you since childhood's end, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not the first time we've worked together, and that was, uh, God, I, you know, Wayne, you and I were talking about, uh, oh, remember when we did that? That was 2014? Uh, so I don't even remember <laughs> when childhood's end was for Daryl and Golden Spiral Media, but it was a while ago. Um, I do want to point out something for the listeners that don't know our history. Uh, some of you do, maybe even a lot of you do, but uh, Wayne, Michael, and I worked together in a high school. Wayne and I taught English. Michael is the media specialist, teaches television production. He's also uh, certified to teach English, and you did that early in your career, right? Yeah, I started out as a seventh grade English teacher, but only for three years. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. So because I also taught journalism, my classroom was actually accessed from Michael's media center. So you had to go all the way to the back. There was two doors, a door yeah. for the classroom, a door for the computer lab. I was tucked away out of nowhere, but obviously that gave you and I a lot of time to talk sci-fi stuff. And, once I retired uh, four years ago, and I should point out that I started my teaching career at the age of nine, um, <laughs> Wayne took over my classroom and the journalism program. And Michael, I, I, see, I was going to ask Wayne this, but I don't trust him. Has he been <laughs> honoring everything you and I built with that classroom back there? Well, I tell you, I don't run into Wayne as much as I did you, Dave. I don't know. It's like we kind of live in our own separate world a lot of times. But yeah. occasionally we will uh, certainly shoot the shoot the breeze about various sci-fi topics. In fact, we did that today, didn't we, Wayne? We did. Yeah, we, we sure did. Yeah. <laughs> After uh, I came in in a panic because uh, I couldn't log on to any of my computers because my passwords weren't working. But. <clears throat> So, yeah, so my sword right away. Okay. So basically you're <laughs> yeah. saying you basically you're saying uh, Wayne stays in the classroom with the students and I drifted out into the media center occasionally. <laughs> yes. I, that's exactly what I was going to say. Like you. <laughs> All right. But uh anyway, and, and then in terms of history, uh Michael and I started with the Liberate a Continuum podcast back in June of 2012. Uh a few weeks later, Wayne and I started the Fatalist podcast, which was devoted to Lost Girl. And then, of course, we rebranded into Sci-Fi TV Rewatch uh, after Lost Girl ended. And then, you know, Michael, you mentioned the the work we do for Den of Geek. And we've just kind of jumped from one podcast to another. I don't even know how many shows we've podcasted together, but it's got to be in the 400 re uh, region the way uh, Wayne and I are with Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. And this topic that we're doing tonight, which is, was some of these shows were topics on uh, our Sci-Fi Fidelity podcast, and we did a podcast on Spellcasters, which covered a lot of the same territory. So I'm excited to to revisit some of these and talk about some new ones, too. Yeah, so, so let's just jump into it, because to be fair, I was never really drawn to shows about witches and magicians. I know Wayne and I have had this whole... Uh, debate about how I could not have read Harry Potter, at least even seen the movies. And, and uh, I, I just was never drawn that way. Yet it was our work on Den of Geek where we were kind of tasked to do those shows. And well, I really like these. So, yeah, you know, for we me, had to come up with some topics monthly and then, you know, these wouldn't have necessarily gotten into our attention unless we were kind of pressed for a topic and it turned out for the better. I think. Yeah. I mean, Wayne, do you have much experience with witches and stuff like that? No, it's funny. The, the list of shows you have, you know, most there's like this big amount of experience with the, I dream of genie and bewitched part. And then, um, 
nothing until we kind of get towards the more recent stuff that uh, I think Michael and I are going to try going to try and sneak into the conversation. Like, <laughs> um, well, wait, you know, not Buffy the like, Vampire Slayer, Wayne. Um, you know, I've only we we podcasted on the the pilot, and that's the only one I've oh, seen. I I liked it a lot, but it's just so daunting to try and take on a show like Buffy from from word one, you know, with all those episodes in front of you. So, and Michael, anytime I try to shame him into Buffy, he, he just he has a one word response that I, I just can't fight, and that is, of course, Deadpool. Deadpool. So, you know, is that the agreement that you have? If you watch Deadpool, he'll watch. Well, uh, I don't know if it's quite that simple, but, uh, okay. but anyway, yeah, I'm just asking for two hours, Dave. That's all, all I'm asking. I know. But, but, you know, once we started kind of making some notes about what we wanted to talk about, one of the first things that occurred to me, what is the difference between a witch, a sorceress and a practitioner of magic? I think that's an important distinction. You got an answer? <laughs> Not really. Well, that's the thing. I think it was good of you to hone in on that very specific way of looking at it because witches tend to be persecuted, I guess you could say. Sometimes they are, you know, spellbook oriented or potion oriented rather than just powered individuals. But what I just described also could describe wizards, the wizards of Harry Potter. They just don't call them that. It could describe the magicians of the magicians, but they just don't call them that. It's like they just needed to have their own bit of branding. I don't know. Witches have a very specific feel, not the least of which it tends to skew a bit female. Well, that's uh, for sure. Now, in the Facebook group, Elisa asks us to discuss why men make so many TV witch shows, LOL. <laughs> uh, and that led me to, you know, the next logical extension. Dudes, I thought witches were supposed to be ugly. I mean, that's what Macbeth taught me. <laughs> but they didn't they have well, sexy yeah, witches as early as I Dream of Genie? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You look at I Dream of Genie and Bewitched, you know, that's the ideal um, housewife who then can just twinkle her nose or you know move her hands and everything you could ever want will just appear right yeah and you know mentioning those two shows wayne i mean those are kind of the groundbreakers and i'm pleasantly surprised that you know that you have a grounding because as we've said many times i'm a little bit older than you two guys but i guess with the uh benefits of syndication um, you know, both of these shows have been readily available, but I dream of Jeannie. My goodness, her her outfit is still seen <laughs> on, on many young women at Halloween time, you know? I did say I dream of Jeannie. I did mean bewitched. Sometimes I <laughs> use those terms interchangeably since uh, I guess Jeannie isn't really a witch. She's she's in a bottle, right? So I don't yeah. know if she qualifies, but those were very such similar shows that we kind of lump them together sometimes. Yeah. And that's back 1965. I mean, she is literally the genie in the bottle. Nowadays we would refer to her character as a gin, I, I believe uh, mm -hmm. 1965, five seasons. It was a great show. Larry Hagman, obviously before he got onto Dallas fame. Right. Uh, well, I think also a show that in absolutely no ways would, work today a woman yeah. that's <laughs> locked up in a bottle until the dude lets her out and then she has to do his bidding i mean like ouch yeah you know, like that that master. show did not age well at all <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and i wonder if it's even on anywhere i you know it's been a while that would be on for me on uh direct tv up around the 300s and i rarely go up there but you know bewitched again it probably suffers from this same problems you just alluded to wayne you know that uh in this case she is a and i'm making air quotes a normal woman who marries a mortal she is a witch of course and he knows she's a witch it's a family friendly comedy but again her whole character is trying to fit in that she's got to fit into this typical suburban housewife of the 1960s and you know, again, I'm not sure how well it ages. Well, I think they did did a good job with, you know, sort of introducing the family of um, 
the the witches and showing that you know they almost had their own, own little separate society similarly to what they did in Sabrina the Teenage Witch the original one in the 90s where you know they only, they had their own separate kind of existence to the humans and and kind of set them up out almost as a separate species of human yeah. Now, the other thing that's interesting in this show is, of course, the mother-in-law, who is also a witch and right. a lot of laughs there. But they also have a daughter, Tabitha, that early on exhibits, you know, witch-like powers. And, and then I believe she even got a spinoff show later when she became, I guess, a teenager or, or maybe a little bit older. But, you know, that that whole idea of having sex with a witch or a demon or a vampire as, as you know we'll, we'll talk a little bit more in discovery of witches what's the baby going to end up being what kind of powers if any will the child have and you know the witch dealt with that a little bit ahead of its time yeah mm-hmm. well i yeah. think when you you bring up the, the the issue of sex and um both meaning gender and the the act is I think that's where we kind of see this this kind of dualistic vision of, of the witch as representative of, of women in general, right? That either it's an object of, of desire or a, a pariah, you know, that there's kind of like you know, this, this, I guess this kind of paternalistic putting a woman into a certain category, right? Either she's pleasant and stays home, she's okay. Or there's something weird about her. Uh, she won't talk to me. She won't access. I don't get access to her. Then there must be something supernatural or weird or evil about her, you know. And I think a lot of of and and like a show like Bewitched kind of combined the two, right? That that forbidden aspect of the supernatural, and then the also the everyday um, housewife and everything. You know, I guess if we're looking at it that way. It's uh, kind of a, maybe a rather confused show, I guess. Yeah. Now, the one thing it, it doesn't do, and, you know, guys, we've got a framework here, but feel free to jump around at I will. We already have. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, but, you know, I mean, it seems as if these shows break down into shows that are creature-based fantasy shows that have a prominent witch character. We see some shows like The Order that feature covens, we so see some that just center on a central witch and you know that sometimes it's you know there's a combination of the two but i know we were talking off uh off i was gonna say off camera off mic about uh, buffy the vampire slayer and how wayne hasn't seen anything beyond the uh, first two episodes michael i know you've seen it all 1997 joss whedon really makes his name with this show appeared on the wb now it's available on facebook watch that's where i watched the the majority of it but the the characters of willow and tara but primarily willow who is a witch but you know it seemed like more of an academic approach you know michael you were talking a few minutes ago about you know spells and 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 things like that which is what tara learns to do but she learns it in an academic way right she studies the lore and learns the spells from those who came before her so you get the sense that there's a long history of witchcraft but it's been either out of practice or just not very common in that particular area but at the same time it's not something you're born as which some of these shows like The Witcher, for example, or even a discovery of witches, it's almost like a separate species. Whereas Willow, uh, any human like Willow can learn witchcraft and then therefore become a witch. So that's very different in terms of the supernatural creature versus the human who's doing an academic practice, as you put it. Right, which then leads me to a show like The Magicians. Are they witches or are they magicians I mean, what's the real difference when you get down to it? Yeah, well, and that's a good question, because if it's something that you learn, then, yeah, the magicians are no different from the witches in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But if it's something that you're, you are, then that it depends on which show you, you ask. But I feel like the magicians is different in that it requires a certain level of genius 
if you've read the books that the magicians is based on, you have to be like really in another on another level, especially mathematically and charting the stars and things like that in order to cast uh, spells. So, yeah, in that sense, it is very academic. And I think those shows that take place on college campuses, the order being a notable exception because most of the <laughs> spellcasters in that show are fairly, uh, you know, not academically motivated, let's say. <laughs> but if it takes place at a at a place like Hogwarts, then yeah, it's part of their schooling. Well, yeah, that, that's probably kind of ties in with this idea of magic and alchemy that goes back to ancient history where um, these are like supernatural or hidden secrets of the universe that can be learned. Right. And I, and I think you're absolutely right. Like if you look at almost most of the shows uh, that we're talking about, especially the later ones um, and is it a Harry Potter thing or not? I, you know, maybe where it all involves the, the young person who has a special talent, but they have to go and they have to study and hone their skill and learn it just as anyone, like if you were a really good guitar player, but to be in a band or anything like they're to do it professionally, you have to, you know, hone your skill and you have to go and learn the, you know, the academic side of it. Well, you, the thing that strikes me most about Willow and then later in the series, Tara and, and certainly their relationship was pretty groundbreaking for the time as well. But I think, lost in all of that is what what comes to the surface is the consequences of magic that very often they would do things willow in particular that she thought were the things she should be doing but of course the consequences you know were were you know just really not what she had planned for and and to a large degree took a full season to work its way out but that's a spoiler I'm not going to mention at this point, even <laughs> though the statute of limitations is long passed on Buffy. Yes. Yeah, Dark Willow is one of the best oh my things gosh. about that show. Yeah. But it's a good point because in A Discovery of Witches, for example, in the most recent season, there's talk of, you know, you can't mess with that kind of dark magic. It can suck you in when she's trying to talk to someone uh, back from the dead. And the Order does that too whenever they're getting into that kind of uh, necromancy it can be very dangerous and i think that's what happens to willow and buffy the vampire slayer as well i like when they do that i like when they have we're, we're recording this on may 4th so it reminds me of like the dark side of the force <laughs> sucking you in <laughs> versus the light side of the force yeah and discovery of witches which i will say unequivocally is my favorite of all of these shows and i like a lot of these shows but, you know, Michael and I ha have podcasted about it. We've done some of the YouTube videos for Den of Geek. Uh, it's available on Shudder and Sundance now, uh, debuted in 2018, two seasons. But the interesting thing about Diana Bishop, who is the one of the central characters, is that this is a creature world. So that it, it, we've got four species, demons, witches, vampires, and humans. And it centers on diana bishop who is the witch and and matthew claremont who is of course a vampire which uh again talking about consequences as you said it's just a, a really fascinating show and i i really love these shows that have these creature worlds where there are multiple species and and wayne you know i mean that was the whole thing with lost girl you know they were yes living below the surface so to speak I don't know if I'm as crazy about uh, the creature worlds. Um, again, it kind of goes hand in hand with it, you know, like all that when we bring in like that, the supernatural element of the witches or that otherworldly aspect of them. And then it's easy to tie it in with, um, you know, bringing in all kinds of strange creatures, everything like, like, you know, the witcher I see there is, you know, another example of that where, where, you know, I, and as we were talking about, I was kind of like, uh, you know, I think maybe that was one thing that I, I didn't 100% love about The Witcher is how infatuated it seemed to be with the the creatures that were in it. You know, I, I thought maybe, and again, maybe if I watch this second time, I'll change my mind, that that kind of detracted from that central story and especially uh, Yennefer's story. Yeah. And Michael, I did point out about Yennefer's transformation just to make sure Wayne didn't miss that, but. 
<laughs> he picked up on it. But but even with Yennefer, sorceress or witch, and I guess does it even matter? <laughs> well, I think if you call the show The Witcher and they are going after yeah. you know creatures, uh, I think among those creatures are the witches. Even though the witcher is quite you know amiable with you know Yennefer and her ilk. But I think it's an interesting way to to frame it because it's it's one of those things where Yennefer was was uh, identified as someone with talent, pulled out of the pigsty to be mentored, right? So it makes you wonder. You've got on your list here uh, once upon a time where the evil queen has certain powers, and then you've got uh, Melisandre from Game of Thrones, who also just kind of has powers, is a powerful woman that's kind of on her own and singular where uh you don't really know where their powers come from so so you don't just have the supernatural creature element you have the someone who is identified as having a talent as yennefer was and willow of course was much more skilled at witchcraft than tara was in, in buffy the vampire slayer but where did the evil queen regina mills uh, as her human form was named or melisandra learn their talents they just kind of were you know? yeah. powerful attractive women burn them yeah. Well, yeah, and that's that's exactly right, David. I was kind of thinking with the, the the examples here that I'm familiar with with Melisandre and Yennefer, we're we're talking about uh, des, you know attractive, uh, sexually desirable uh, women who then also are have this power this power that you know men can't control them, right? Which then puts them in a kind of an, I don't necessarily say outcast, but they're never like really accepted into like society, right? They're always kind of on the fringe or on their own or something like that. And and I think we talked about the beginning. I think that's kind of like that 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 dichotomy that goes with the powerful, inaccessible, dark, mysterious woman. That uh, you know the if the dudes have problems defining her then they just kind of either cast her out or burn her or tr- put her in the dunking lake or whatever i think you're being kind too to the men saying that they don't understand i think they're legitimately afraid <laughs> of well, these women right yeah true well you know before i forget i wanted to ask you both a question because you know you have a, a unique situation that that i don't and that is that you both have two daughters and I was really curious to know whether these kinds of shows attract them. I mean, now Michael, your, your one daughter is in her early twenties. The other one must be in middle school by now. Right. Yep. yep. And, and then Wayne, but, your, your older daughter's in high school and your younger yeah. one, is she in middle school yet? She's in seventh grade. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. So we both have daughters that are gingers too. So, okay. Okay. Yeah, exactly. uh, but uh, do <laughs> these kind of, of shows like. attract <laughs> yeah, them? <right. laughs> you know, because for me, I guess all I knew was there about witches and that just didn't appeal to me. You know, once I got into it and, and look, I, again, all three of us have admitted this over the years. I mean, we're attracted to attractive characters and, it well, is what it is. So I make uh, no apologies. The discovery of witches is, is a big show. My, the, uh, the books as well are something that my stepdaughter has enjoyed greatly. And she's watched season one, hasn't gotten around to season two yet, but she's looking forward to it. But I wouldn't say that she's drawn to it for the same reason. So I'm sure she loves Diana as much as the next person. But I think she also really likes the dynamic between um, Diana and Matthew, you know, so there's other things that can draw people in, not necessarily the witchcraft itself. My younger daughter, my seventh grader, much to my chagrin, is not a sci fi fantasy fan in general. She's a realistic fiction gal. So, <laughs> Wayne? Yeah, I'd say my, my, my daughters are both the same as, as Michael's youngest, is that oh. they, uh, they like their, now, not that this is realistic, but they like, Grey's Anatomy and uh, <laughs> This Is Us, and I guess t- t- the they recorded the All American, so they kind of like those teeny bopper kind of shows. They yeah. really look like what was that? Uh, ah, the, the the kids in North Carolina, Dawson's like Creek. Years ago, no, mm, I don't know. You're out of our million. It was, million years, so. it was well, like a, like two years ago on Netflix. But anyway, so I mean, they kind of like those dramas of 
that are that I don't. (laughs) Well, and and again, it's like how many times do you go back to see what a student's working on? Because in this day and age, most kids have some sort of electronic device on their desk, whether it's a laptop, an iPad, or whatever, and they look like they're you know really engaged in something. So you go back there as a teacher, you're really excited. Oh, what are you working on? Oh, you're watching Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> Good use of the school's uh, wireless. But, uh, yeah, they blocked all the Netflix services and things like that this yeah. year because of all the online learning. So, no more of that. Oh, well. Yeah, it's going to really upset the journalism kids when they come back. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's talk a little bit about some shows that have covens. And, and Michael, one that, again, I would have never gravitated toward the order which debuted on Netflix in 2019, if it wasn't for our, our work with Den of Geek. Wayne, have you seen any of The Order? I have not. Oh, fact, okay. I don't think I've seen any of these shows you have listed under under this particular. So I'll just uh, chime in when I think of something <laughs> funny. Well, <laughs> this has been described, uh, you know, semi-accurately as, you know, Harry Potter in college, which is also kind of the magicians has been labeled that, but, but the order, you know, there's a secret society and essentially it is a coven of witches. But the cool thing is there's also uh, this werewolf group known as the Knights of St. Christopher who are trying to eliminate dark magic and, you know, getting back to, you know, the members of the order are, are they witches or magicians? I mean, they seem to be ever used the term witches or the term coven that's kind of left up to your own sense of of what they are as spellcasters because they don't call them wizards they don't call them warlocks they don't call them witches i don't i don't think they ever used any of those terms i i, I did like that i was kind of mortified to find that in our discussion of a discovery of witches that's on youtube dave i referred to the knights of lazarus in that show as the knights of saint christopher at one point yeah but yeah, <laughs> it's understandable by one of the comments yeah. <laughs> yeah i get those mixed up but yeah the order is something that, and i was also drawn to the order because one of the continuum uh writers shelly erickson was the executive producer for the order but i did like the the werewolf aspect of that show much more than i thought i would because it's kind of a cheesy show otherwise but but yeah i guess when you have like the the head of the the order itself uh being i guess a professor or some kind at the university uh, she does have that kind of head witch feel yeah now, Wayne, you said so, you uh, – go ahead. I'm sorry. I just, I just had to really – because talking about the order here and everything, and as you, you know, say Harry Potter in college, and maybe Michael could probably be able to answer this better, but, you know, is this something that has really kind of been born out of Harry Potter? Do we see before the late 90s, do we see stories of – magical schools and like a dark and light side of magic you know i know that that's a trope from the earliest written and even oral stories ever told but this idea of combining magic and that 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 uh, battle versus good and evil and there being the the you know the dark magic and the light magic and everything you know was that a thing before harry potter i don't think it would have been as prevalent on television prior to Harry Potter, but you know, they had, what was that one with Bette Midler in it? There was that movie that had oh, the witches, the witches, witches, witches of, of Eastwick, which is Eastwick. Well, no, that's a different one, Witches of Eastwick. No. I can't remember what the one with Bette Midler in what was called, but, but there were usually like three witches kind of like in charmed, which is also here on our list where there's three witches typically in a group. Um, but yeah, Harry Potter, I think popularized specifically the aspect of having, them be at a school for magic so i think that's that definitely existed prior to harry potter but was not as popular in pop culture i think until harry okay. potter yeah but to it was wayne, a hocus pocus by the way oh there you focus, go focus focus but you. Uh, to <laughs> wayne's point i i think you're you're absolutely right i, I think it's the uh, how huge harry potter became and and you know, television, I would say television producers aren't stupid but sometimes they are when you see some of the shows that they put on the air but anyway i i think you're exactly right that that david i have one word for you manimal there you go <laughs> there you go um so yeah I, I believe that's probably true now you also said you haven't seen many shows on this list uh, of the covens and i have not seen the secret circle which uh, aired on the cw in 2011 just for one 
season, but I, I do know it was relatively popular teen drama, girl moves to a creepy town, learns she's a witch, comes from a long line of witches, which again is one of those tropes that, you know, if it's done right, it can really work. Uh, the other thing I did notice when I was just doing a little bit of research, Thomas Decker, who was John Connor in Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles, is one of the main characters in this little coven of the secret circle. So that was cool. But it also made me think because it got canceled after one season because the ratings kept going down. And it was in, I guess, the age of the 22 episode season. You wonder if now where they just tried to put together maybe 10 or 13 solid episodes, could it have survived? Or is it just that there's so damn much out there these days? I don't I think know. That that's a good point. The the shorter seasons uh, comes with tighter writing. And I think a lot of these shows probably were too, their, their concepts were not big enough to fit into a full season. Yeah. Now, Michael, you mentioned Charmed, and, and you and I talked about the reboot uh, 2018 on the CW. Uh, the original was in 1998, 20 years before, with Alyssa Milano, Shannon Doherty, and Holly Marie Coombs. Again, not a show I would have watched. And you and I even talked, I, we might have even done a podcast about it, where uh, we, we talked about shows that, you know, we, we watched the first two episodes that was it, or we watched two episodes, the first two, and then we binged it all. Or I mean, that was one. Yeah, they were okay, but that was it for me. Just the first couple. Oh, for the reboot, yeah, that I didn't really care for it that much. I did do some research into the 1998 version, which I thought was very interesting. I I wish I had seen it at the time because it's not a show that I would go back and watch because I feel like it wouldn't. I think it would feel dated at this point. But I I love reading all the stories about how. You know, the different characters that left the show and being replaced by other witches and then showrunners being replaced and Alyssa Milano turning into a mermaid and the, the, the whole thing falling apart. It's kind of a dramatic story for the show itself that interests me rather than the uh, the actual witches yeah. themselves. Now, now, were they sisters in the original? Because in the reboot, the two of them are sisters and then the third one is their half-sister, if I recall correctly. Uh, I think they had the same last name, so yeah, but... I don't want to say with certainty that okay. they were sisters, but yeah. because they didn't really look alike, did they? <laughs> yeah, we don't want to offend the charmed fan base out there. <laughs> but the show that I was so surprised, maybe even shocked that I loved, was Motherland Fort Salem on Freeform in 2020. And again, you and I came upon this for Den of Geek. And Wayne, I suspect that was one of the last things we podcasted about on Sci-Fi Fidelity. Actually, right. one and, of our and, final and, episodes. Yeah, and this is one in which the witches, I guess it was in response to the witch trials, they basically enlisted as part of the military back in the Revolutionary Era, and really had a significant impact on the America in, in this tale, which is you know, kind of an alternate history, of course. But the show takes place 300 years later in the present. And despite their service to the country, they're, they're still viewed with fear and, and skepticism. And there's a, a really cool big bad out there. But the show follows these three young women recruits as they, you know, make their way in, in the military. And one of them, of course, her, her mother is a general or something. So it's in her legacy. Uh, we learned that one of them, her mother had died under suspicious circumstance, I think because of the a decision the other one's mother made, right? If I recall correctly. Um, yeah, like commanding officer or something like that. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's really a cool concept because these witches are in the military. So they're wearing military uniforms most of the time. And there are male witches, although they're generally kept separate, except for that one point, I guess, each year where they bring them all together for a big party. And it's like, <laughs> that was a fun episode. <laughs> here's alcohol, here's beds, go at it. We'll see you in a couple days. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, well, the, and there's a, this is a turning point. Okay, so Motherland Fort Salem. Now, I'm not sure if we could point directly to shows like Riverdale and Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, the the reboot of Sabrina. What did they call it? The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Yeah. Um, 
you know, when we have Riverdale, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, both of which are based on Archie comics and twisted to be more supernatural and kind of spooky. And then you've got Motherland Fort Salem, which takes sort of a strong woman, puts them in, in positions of leadership, uh, the military itself. And now we have um, Shadow and Bone on Netflix, which just came out. And it has its spellcasters in the military. Now, they don't call them witches. They call them Grisha. But the, the same idea impl- is employed. And I, I think that's kind of a new thing. I, I don't know, know if I could pin it down. Maybe Wayne could speak to the, <laughs> the cultural and symbolic nature of that. But I think it's really interesting that it has now kind of had another turn away from some of the ways that witches were addressed in the 90s and early 2000s. So I thought, think that's a cool trend that we're seeing. Not only the the fact that the the witches are being becoming more powerful and being in positions of power, even as they are outcast at the same time, but also that it it's kind of um, I feel like it's almost a social commentary on on female empowerment and things like that in a way that you know Willow couldn't have done, or even some of the shows that were in more recent past couldn't have done quite as well. Even a discovery of witches, Diana is constantly having to assert herself, you know, were you saying that it's almost as if they, they are breaking it down into the adult female with power and the young, generally teenager who is just discovering her power, which of course then leads to the coming of age tale but it's so complex because not only are these young women trying to learn what it's like to be whoever it is they are, they've also got to deal with all this other power stuff. And you know, it just really makes for some fascinating TV when there is good writing. And most of these shows do have pretty good writing that we've been talking about. Yeah. I just kind of want to, you know, Michael mentioned about female empowerment and that's something that, um, especially we've seen the nevers, which is not necessarily about witches, but it is about people who um, have suddenly find themselves with special powers. And of course, the, the home that uh, Mrs. True runs is all women. And they directly, especially the last episode, have directly addressed uh, issues of uh, females trying to make their way in through the patriarchy and especially females who, as Michael said before, now are feared because of their, uh, their newfound abilities. And, and so, yeah, in these shows like shadow and bone and, and the Devers are, and even WandaVision, if we want to throw in another one that I don't oh, know yeah. if you guys have seen that. Well, one, because the that, Nevers, the Nevers and the shadow and bone, they don't actually refer to them as witches. Whereas at least in WandaVision, Agatha is an actual witch <laughs> and Scarlet witch right. is a witch. Right. But it, 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 it's still very much. And, and Wanda is trying to, she, she's created this world. Right. And ironically in this world, it's, um, you know, it's, it's, is I can't, I can't remember like, if, but you know, she's, she's creating this world. That's uh, a, a sitcom, right. She can safely exist in it as as the housewife and it's going back to even, you know, the, it starts off mimicking kind of Lucy and um, I believe the second show was bewitched, you know, so those old sitcoms uh, even coming up through like the Brady Bunch and uh, mimics and even the Malcolm in the middle, but still that, that stable family unit is, is kind of like, you know, Wanda trying to have that, which usually someone of, uh, her abilities, it would be difficult for her to have that kind of stability or family life or whatever. I feel like WandaVision is in a category on its own because really it's about figuring out what's going on with Wanda and Agatha in particular, as the only other witch in the story is trying to figure out how she did it. She kind of covets the the power that Wanda has for herself has never seen power of this kind to, to build it their your own reality like this. And of course I, I won't spoil the ending in terms of, you know, Agatha's fate <laughs> where she ends mm-hmm. up, but obviously the, um, the dynamic there is so much different because it's really an exploration of Wanda's what Wanda has been through, not only in this show, but of course in the movies prior to the show. So 
So sure. it, it just brings up a whole other dynamic that I don't think any of these other shows explore. Now, one of you guys mentioned the 2020 Netflix show Cursed. And, and again, Michael, I think that's something we did a couple episodes. But that was cool because it, it incorporated the Arthurian legend. Oh, I don't know this one. I don't. I don't think we talked about. Oh this one. well, I, I I've never must heard have, of it. <laughs> maybe I just watched the first. I couple. definitely didn't mention it either. Okay, <laughs> we, okay. we we were contemplating doing this one, Dave. Okay. Um, well, maybe that's yeah, why I watched it. But yeah, there was it was there was this and there's I can't remember the other show that we were contemplating, but we ended up doing neither of them. I think we did Stargate instead. Okay. Well, the other show that. I, I still, wait, 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 wait. What's cursed about? <laughs> you kind of yeah. left me hanging. Oh, well, it, it's based on an illustrated novel by Frank Miller and Tom Wheeler. And you've got this character, Nemue, who, I mean, oh. she's, she's basically feared, but, but she's a young girl when, when the story starts, like maybe, as I recall, 13, 14, 15. She eventually, spoiler alert, becomes Lady of the Lake. But, uh, okay, yeah, well, but that's but, like a kind of a prequel story then. <laughs> yeah. But, but she's the, the typical outcast coming of age story and t- you know, takes place in, in that Arthurian time period. So, you know, a lot of action, a lot of people are after a lot of fights, a lot of killing and, <laughs> you know, it was, I enjoyed it, but I guess not enough to keep going. So, um, <laughs> but, but the one that I was gonna mention always a witch which is a netflix 2019 show spanish language that involves time travel which was definitely i mean look yeah how many times have we said time travel you got us we're, we're there <laughs> yeah um, yeah even bad time travel well no maybe not but well yeah it's it, this show is kind of one of those ones that shows up on netflix and i know you guys just came off of doing another international netflix show on this podcast and it's just got a completely different cultural flavor. That's what I love about it so much. This one's from, I think, Colombia or Argentina or someplace in South America, even though it takes place in Spain. It's just it, it, thematically completely different from something that would have been produced in America. That's what I love about it so much. It's like it mixes in like the relationship drama and just trying to figure out you know, how to get back home and has episodic content and then goes back to the grand mythology of the show. I mean – that was really a fun show to talk about for uh, sci-fi fidelity. Yeah. So, I mean, are, are there any shows that we haven't mentioned that we should bring up? Well, I think the, the ones that are current, which we just mentioned the nevers and shadow and bone. I don't know how far you are into it, Wayne. I just have seen a couple episodes of each of those really, really enjoying them. I think I feel like the nevers has gotten, gotten kind of a bad rap in the critical world out there, but shadow and bone I think is, is doing quite well and it just excites me for maybe more of the same to come. Yeah. I, I, um, I've watched the first two episodes of shadow and bone. And after I watched the first episode, I I went back and watched it again. So maybe I could figure out what the heck was going on. Um, (laughs) so I think it's just one of those shows that once you're in the world, this is kind of the same, uh, one of the many criticisms I had of The Witcher was just not understanding the world yet. And then once you understand the world that they're building, okay, now I I, I get it. I actually pulled the, the, the map of the Shadow and Bone world up on my phone so I could keep looking at it. So when they mentioned the place, I could say, okay, that's, that's where that place is. So. That's how you can tell it's an adaptation because, of course, the book right. goes into much more detail. <laughs> About right, and the book probably book has stuff. a map, right? It, the the first page that I could go back to, like um, <laughs> you know, like the Game of Thrones books, right? Like I'm always flipping back to the map in, in those books. Well, you mentioned the Nevers, and you know, this kind of leads me into uh, it's not really a witch topic, but uh, I figured I'd throw it out there to you guys since the nevers is the creation of joss whedon he wrote and directed at least the first episode i'm not sure if he if he wrote and directed the second episode but there's just watch what they just have the the fourth one the third one third one i believe yeah he still had producing credits on on that one okay And, and i believe he stayed with the show throughout much of its production but but i bring up joss whedon and the nevers because there's been a lot of controversy surrounding 
Joss Whedon and the way he treats the members of his production crews and his actors, particularly the female actors. And I read an article in The Atlantic recently, and it was talking about these creative people that we learn that they are really not good people at their core, but they produce things that we love. So uh, I hate that. I hate that. So do we just have to learn to deal with that and accept it? Or are, are we going to basically, and again, I forget which one of you I had this conversation with a couple years ago that, you know, if I stop watching a show because I don't agree with this person's politics or this person, I'm not going to watch anything. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. You know, well, no, and that's a hard thing because I, maybe the Nevers is getting a bad rap in the critical sphere because of Joss Whedon. You never know if that's coloring people's judgment of it because i think it's quite good and um regardless of what happens to the women in his real life the women in the show are kick ass yeah and and i just think it's become cool to bash joss whedon because like you i I think that's fine bash away yeah that's fine with me (laughs) well what we know from den of geek experience is that even negative articles produce a lot of hits and and hate comments at the bottom of the article are just as good as good comments hey that's why i review manifest so uh so snarkily (laughs) oh yeah i was actually i was looking at those the other day i was wondering what you were doing uh review wise for den of geek and uh, uh i did come across those Anyway, um, well, listen, why don't we listen to what Fred's got for us? Because he sent in some comments about witches, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave, Wayne, and Michael, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback on the theme of witches. First off, I'm very happy to be in this podcast or giving feedback to this podcast because you are as well in it, Michael. I listen to many of your podcasts together with Dave for Continuum and even at this time I listen now and then to your voice together with Dave for The Sandbox. So I'm currently at Season 5 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I listen very often to your voice, which is very enjoyable in combination with Dave and also enjoy a lot of your articles in Den of Geek. It's a little bit a pity that Sci-Fi Fidelity stopped because a lot of those podcasts were enjoyable as well. Talking about Den of Geek, there was a very nice article which is entitled Top 50 TV Witches, which is not an article by you, Michael, but by Juliet Harrison and Louisa Mellor of October 2018. And I really had to scroll through that to have an idea about how many witches there are on TV. Because if I have to think about it, witches on TV or in the movies, actually the list is quite limited. Although when you think more about it, you actually know many more than you actually think. So for me, it was, for instance, a little eye-opener that, of course, Willow in Buffy the Vampire Slayer is actually also a... I make air quotes, uh, a witch. The first witch I think of is not from a TV series, but from a movie, and that's Maleficent, played by Angelina Jolie in 2014. It's very strange that this is the first witch that comes to my mind, possibly because I'm an Angelina Jolie fan, more or less, but now I looked at the trailer and I realized I never saw the movie. So that's quite strange. So her picture and or the film poster made probably such an impression that that is a picture I have in my head. When you say witches, I think I'm surely going to watch that movie now. When I see the trailer, it gives me a bit a Lord of the Rings feeling, but I'm going to watch it probably. The next witches I think of are the Scarlet Witch and Agatha Harkness, a.k.a. the Solemn Witch, in WandaVision. And that's only because I recently watched that. 
It's actually the only exception I made in my Marvel Cinematic Universe watch order, where I'm at season 5 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So that's also the reason why I didn't watch the recent Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. But since WandaVision is more or less separate, although you get some historical facts and etc. you don't get, because you didn't see all the movies and other stuff series uh, which was ahead of it but it didn't matter that much the next one that comes to my mind is Nico Manuru which is one of Marvel's runaways it's a wicker witch and very cool I think in that same series we see some episodes with Morgan Le Fay also a witch the next one would be Margot in The Magicians furthermore Morticia from The Addams Family And I think her mother and her daughter. Then there are the good and the bad witches in The Wizard of Oz. And then I have to admit, that's about it. I looked at a very long list of witches on Wikipedia. And then I know why I don't know that many witches. Because there are some series where are a buttload of witches in, which I didn't watch. What I did watch is Harry Potter, and of course there are many, many witches in that. Uh, But there are so many that I really can name them. But what I didn't watch is Game of Thrones, for instance, Vampire Diaries, The Secret Circle, Penny Dreadful, Charmed. All series with a lot of witches in it. Okay, that was my contribution to this podcast. Looking forward to The Nevers next week. I saw the first episode and I'm very enthusiastic about it. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, well, Fred, thank you as always. Some some great stuff. And, you know, I, we've, we've talked a lot about Fred's viewing habits. And, you know, Michael, I don't know if you've ever seen his, his Facebook posts where he's he's got these elaborate oh, yeah. lists. I, I wish I was that organized. I guess I the only That's thing my I, favorite thing that Fred produces is yeah. the graphics on Facebook. <laughs> and, and I keep meaning to ask Fred and, you know, here I'm, am I asking you, Fred, you know, the shows that you say, you know, you're on season four, episode three, but you only watch one every three or four months. How do you remember what's going on? I have always wondered that too. <laughs> yeah. So I, I know from that now, level of organization is, you know, probably the key to keeping track of what's going on. It, it's like if he's that organized in making the list, then surely he's got, uh, you know, <laughs> maybe some notes that he can go back. Around. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do believe, <laughs> um, you, you know, Fred of course offers feedback for a lot of different shows and a lot of different podcasts and he probably has to keep, keep some good notes now granted i think we all depending on the show uh, that we have to make notes along the way uh you know for instance i i know whenever i think about going back and watching lost no (laughs) (laughs) that's a running that's a running issue with the two of us michael (laughs) usually it's just the the l word yeah the l so are you guys doing the nevers as a topic is that yes we are going to start with the nevers next week episode one and it's one of those shows that, you know, we, we've said many times as podcasters, we love the once a week format, which is more and more rare these days. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, even now, like and, and again, you know, I've said this to Wayne many times, I can never get a good read on the genre shows that my wife is going to enjoy because some shows. Oh, gosh, the the one the. Uh, you know, it's the whole family of superheroes. They're, you know, I don't think there are any of them. They're not related by blood. The father adopted them. Umbrella Academy. Sorry. Um, uh, yes. She loved season one. Season two comes out. Nah, I'm not interested. Okay. <laughs> so I wonder whether the Nevers is going to be like a, a show because I was shocked that she enjoys it as much as she does so well it's it's just amazing because the reason i asked if you were discussing is because i just watched the first episode today like earlier before just in preparing for the podcast and loved it loved it loved it and and the um the pilot is so good first of all and pilots are tough to nail 
yeah. but it also I think is going to make a great podcast because there's so many discussable points. Like, you know, what do you think is going to happen here, or, or you know, this person is a secret touched, you know, not letting anyone know that he's touched, that kind of thing. A lot of different storylines that are going to be, you know, that kind of water cooler talk that you can only get with an episodic discussion. So definitely looking forward to it. Well, listen, why don't we uh, close out? But, you know, Wayne and I often do the, uh, you know, what we're watching, but uh, it's it's got to be non-genre. Oh, Ma- that's easy. Michael, what are you watching? <laughs> well, we just finished the Will and Grace reboot with our friend Eric <laughs> McCormack that we talked about from Travelers. And my, my family was uh, astounded to... Re- find that I, yes i did talk to to will from will and grace you didn't remember that when i told you that last time but now that we've watched the uh, reboot um he's more famous in their eyes again and uh and my do- stepdaughter or not my, not my stepdaughter my my seventh grader uh has us re-watching glee which is oh so joyous <laughs> for me I stopped watching that during season four and I'm now into territory that I have not seen before. And I, I don't regret not having seen the, these, this portion of the, of the show. So those are my shows currently that, right. that are non-genre. All right. Wayne for non-genre. I'm not really watching any shows that are non-genre, but I did finally watch uh mank. I was as in a attempt to try and watch at least some of the movies that were nominated for best picture on the Oscars. And, um, I mean, you know, like anyone who's ever taken a film class, you, you know, probably a lot about citizen Kane, you know, one of the more infamous aspects of it is the fact that this movie, which I'm sure today, I still assume is widely regarded as the greatest movie ever made is, um, one Academy award. And it was, uh, for Orson Welles and, uh, Oh, what's the name? Herman Mankiewicz both won it for the screenplay for the best original script. So this is the detailing of kind of Mankiewicz's uh, relationship with William Randolph Hearst. I can't remember his wife's name, but you know, all the, the people that, you know, know, obviously Citizen Kane being a thinly disguised um, expose of Hearst's life. Um, So it was was a really, really good movie. I I liked it. Uh, I think it maybe vilified Orson Welles, uh, more than was necessary, and but yeah, again, yeah. is that only That's because we, you know, is that because like like I, I think Michael said because we, you know, uh, this this hero like Orson Welles, this guy who took on Hollywood and did it his way and made this amazing film, you know, so you know, is does that make him a a as a person a hero as well and everything? And so I don't know. It was still great. It was a really good movie. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Cool. Well. The show that I'm watching, uh, we just finished it last night, and it's one of those that appeared in our Netflix feed, you know, for the last few weeks. And it's one that, you know, I know my wife's going to like it. It's no, this is us, Wayne, but I, I figured. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, what what can be, right? But uh, I thought she's going to really like this. I'm going to hate it. So I'm not even going to mention. I mean, if she doesn't see it, well, anyway, it's called Ginny in Georgia, and it is freaking great. And I don't know if you've seen it when you log into Netflix. It's uh, Ginny and Georgia, uh, mother and daughter. Uh, The mother had Ginny when she was 15. So mom's like 30, 31. The daughter's 15. They have a son, but the the children have different fathers. The daughter, who's 15, is biracial. And they have moved to this upscale town in new england and you know it's clear that they are fish out of water so that even though and and i'm curious wayne especially if you ever get to see it there's a couple scenes in her ap english class that i I know you you and i've talked many times like dude no ap teacher would say that (laughs) no yeah um but it's really good and and as i got to the end of it because mom comes across as, I mean, she wears really maybe slutty is too strong because her clothes are really expensive, but you know, she, she shows what she's got, but the whole, her whole meaning of life is that her kids will have a better time of it than she did. 
So you got all the, you know, the mother daughter fighting things, but you get to the end. And it's like, I said to my wife, I said, like, this is breaking bad. And of (laughs) course it's a show that I can't get her to watch because without, you know, giving away too many spoilers, let's just say moms, you know, you, you watch the show. It's like, I shouldn't be rooting for mom, but I am, you know, do anything to protect their child. Right. And, and I'll do anything to give my child a life better than what I had. And it it really is good. I was, I'm, you know, the, the ending was great. And I was even saying to my wife, you know, you'll read sometimes shows film two endings because they don't know if they're getting a second season. And, you know, I wondered about this. I I could have lived with this ending as a series finale, but they are coming back for season two. So anyway, Ginny and Georgia, Netflix. um, All right. Anything else? Either of you guys? Oh, thanks for the discussion. Oh yeah, Yeah. dude, we'll have to do this again sometime. This has been a lot of fun. Michael's, Awesome to have you join us, man. You know, and for you guys out there, if you want to contact us, episode feedback, questions, whatever's going on in your genre, TV world, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. If you want to record your own audio clip the way Fred does each week, just send it as an MP3 attachment. Join the Facebook group if you haven't already. That will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back next week to begin our look at the HBO Max series, The Nevers. But until then, I got nothing.